Is this thing on? Yeah, it's on now. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. This is Cyrus Alderwood, your usual host. Uh, today is uh, July 11th, 2021, the year of the Great Ham Sandwich. Why do I say that? Probably because I've had too many of them this year. Um, God knows I had too many of them during the pandemic last year. But, you know, I don't know. At some point, I'm going to get completely foundered on it, never touch it again. That'll be the end of it. It'll be the great year of something else next. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. I certainly appreciate that. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that last episode uh, with Ken Dodge, who actually worked on the road with Kiss for a few few shows during their reunion tour. Great stuff. We had a great rock and roll discussion. Hey, tonight I'm actually uh, flying solo, but um, I wanted to do a kind of a rather short podcast because I was reading something really, really cool online and thought I would share it with you. You know, we all have movies that we identify with, movies that make us laugh with some of our favorite movies, and then maybe you hear something weird about it. Like, I remember back in the late 80s or early 90s when that movie, um, My Three, what is it, My Three Dads or whatever, or uh, Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, when that came out. And had uh, Steve Gutenberg, Tom Selleck, and hell, somebody else. Anyway, Tony Danza, maybe? Anyway, um, big hit, big blockbuster hit, right? So people started to learn about like some of the stories that came out from on set about this little boy. And actually in one of the films, that a little boy that haunted the set. And in one of the uh, edits, I guess the backdrop of, some say it was a cardboard cutout. Of, of a boy who died there. Uh, why anyone would have that, I don't know. But anyway, some say it was the ghost of the child on screen. And it's just so quick. If you don't know where to watch, you're not going to catch it. And I thought, you know, that was a funny movie. So what other movies have been out there, like movies that I like in the horror genre, that carry some kind of bad vibes to it? So I just decided to do some digging and looking this up. And uh, some of these things actually were just kind of hidden in plain sight on some of these movies. And some of these movies, uh, some I like, some I don't like so much. Um, Also, I'm going to get into, during the course of this, I'm going to get into a horror flick I just watched on Netflix. And I'm going to give you the skinny on that one. (coughs) So this is going to be a little bit of a, uh, um, eh, yeah, it'll be a spoiler uh, for a movie called Things Heard and Seen. And uh, that's new on Netflix. Actually, it was a top trendy one. So I decided I was going to watch it. But, you know, if you take a look at some of these horror films that are out there, you know, some of these horror films are scary enough. But in some cases, the things that happened on the set that I read about was actually worse than the the final product in the movie, right? So um, there's so many horror films out there that had really strange and horrifying things, for lack of a better term, that happened during the filming process or right after. And uh, in some of these cases, it involved people that were dying, and um, like like um, Poltergeist. Uh, you all remember a little Carrie Ann from the movie. Um, whether the uh, um, these, these incidents were accidents or fate or an evil curse or somebody trying to prank people, um, I guess it all still kind of is up in the air for debate all these years later. But there's no disputing the facts that took place with some of these movies that people on set would talk about. 
And I found a list of 10, and I thought this was this is a good place to start. Right? This, this might be just a starting point. Um, there was a movie that came out in 2012 called The Possession. And I remember when that came out, because I went to the movies to see this. And I remember when I went in for an afternoon matinee, not a soul in the place. So I have the entire theater to myself at a 12 o'clock noon showing in my little town. And no one's there. Yeah, lucky me, right? <laughs> so I'm glad no one else was there because if I'd heard anyone coughing, I'd, I'd, just, I'd certainly piss myself. But this movie, I'm going to kind of I'm going to spoil it for you. Uh, the guy that's in it, his name is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And a lot of you guys know him as uh, the character uh, from The Walking Dead. I, f- I forget the name because I stopped watching after like season five. But the guy who had the uh, the baseball bat, Lucille, right? Um, he was one of the stars of the film. And anyway, it was, um, he had a daughter, him and his wife were getting divorced. He's a basketball coach. Uh, and he, on the weekends, gets his daughters. And as they're hanging out, this one daughter, he's going out to find stuff, you know, like use dishes at a yard sale and put in their house. And uh, the young daughter actually feels drawn to this box. So she gets this box, the dad gets it for her, but there's this old woman dying inside the house, and that's why they're having this yard sale to sell everything this old woman has. But she can't talk or anything, and she's kind of bedridden. But she notices this little girl that picks up this box, and she kind of is freaking out. You can kind of see that as they walk away. She didn't want this little girl to have that box. And as it turns out, that's what they call a Dybbuk box. So that was the the point of the movie, this, this curse of this Dybbuk box, the demon that was and trapped in it, gets out of the box and goes into this little girl. And um, the only way to uh, get the demon out of her is, you know, that you have to find a rabbi or, or uh, somebody in uh, uh, Jewish um, to um, go through a ceremony to, I guess, unpossess her, right? Exercise this demon. Um, so anyway, on the set, it's a really good movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. But some of the weird things that happened on the set, according to... Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and others is that light bulbs would explode for no apparent, for no apparent reason. Uh, the set would be closed yet. They would feel these really cold breezes just going through the, the sets for no particular reason. They didn't know where it was coming from because everything was closed up, but they said the scariest incident occurred when the storage facility where all the props were being held caught fire and burned to the ground. So the police do, the, the fire department comes in, they do an investigation and they said it wasn't arson, it wasn't any electrical things that caused it. They had no idea what caused the fire, so they had to mark it as undetermined on their official reports. But uh, it was uh, worth noting that the Dybbuk box that was used in the movie was destroyed in the fire. And the cast and crew, they later refused to allow the movie's producers to replace the Dybbuk box for fear that it was cursed. That's that's in and of itself fairly creepy. Um, another movie is on the list is that movie I I liked it okay. It wasn't it wasn't the greatest uh, flick in the world, but it wasn't the worst either. But it was called The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and in this movie the acting was really great. Um, you probably know the lady uh, Jennifer Carpenter, who played Emily Rose. She was the sister of the guy that's that hit series on Showtime called Dexter, one of my favorite series. Anyway, 
Um, they were making this movie in 2005, and the radio in her hotel room would mysteriously turn on and off. And each time the radio would come on, it was playing the song by Pearl Jam, of all songs, that song Alive. And so other cast members that were in the movie, they claimed that their radio and TVs were also coming going on and off in their rooms for no reason. And just like uh, Jennifer Carpenter, um, they heard the same Pearl Jam song. And it bothered everybody on set so much that they, they asked, asked to have their TVs and their radios removed from their hotel rooms because that was just too, too weird. Now, another movie that had some really bad stuff on set uh, going on uh, was the movie The Conjuring, the original one from 2013. This is another movie that I went to the movie theaters and saw all alone <laughs> uh, at an afternoon matinee. Um, but it's supposedly based on the true story of the Perrin family, who uh, had all this ghostly activity in their Rhode Island home back in the 70s. Now, several members of the family actually visited the movie set during the filming. But nothing could not, I mean, nothing could not convince Carolyn Perrin, who was the mother of the family, to set foot near the set. She would not go near it. And for good reason. A number of weird, unexplained events uh, happened all throughout the making of this movie. Uh, once, while they, the family was on set, a strong wind came up and seemed to swirl around just them. Members of the crew standing nearby noticed that the trees just opposite of them were not moving. And uh, but yeah, that was that was weird enough. But you know, there was more to come. A couple days later, the hotel that the actors and the movie crew were staying in caught fire. And everyone had to be evacuated. Uh, the movie's director, uh, James Wan, actually went on record saying that uh, uh, that he was working late in his office one evening when his dog started growling at something. So he gets up to look and see what's going on. He couldn't find anything that would piss his dog off, um, but the dog just kept growling. And it seemed to focus on this unseen entity across the room. Now, how many of you have had pets do that? I've recently had my little cat do that twice, and that kind of freaked me out. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> However, the uh, lead actress uh, in the movie, uh, Fiera Farmiga, uh, she played the role of um, the uh, the paranormal investigator. I forget her name. The Warrens, right? The, the, anyway, um, she refused to take the script home with her. She said it made her feel uneasy. Uh she also couldn't read it at night because she came just paralyzed by fear, gripped by fear when she tried. So she remembers opening her laptop once and seeing three slashes across the screen as if some creature had dragged its paw across it. All right, now that's creepy. Um, so if that lady is freaked out by stuff, uh, that's because uh, she was in um, uh, the Bates Motel uh, series that was on A&E. And I think that's still hanging around on Netflix, too. Actually, not a bad series. Um, one of my favorite movies, uh, The Twilight Zone from 1983. Uh, Vic Morrow, who's uh, the father of uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, uh, he was actually killed on, on movie set, right? So uh, what made this kind of weird is that Morrow actually predicted his own death. A year before they started filming The Twilight Zone, 
Uh, he took out a $5 million life insurance policy on himself. And he told his friends and his family that he had this premonition something bad was going to happen to him on an upcoming movie. And sure enough, while filming a scene for The Twilight Zone, a helicopter crashed and he was decapitated. Uh, two child actors were also killed in the accident, and uh, that uh, really spurred on a lengthy investigation at a court case in L.A. back then. It was uh, later revealed that the two child actors, who were Vietnamese actually, and they were killed in the tragedy, had been hired illegally by the producers. It was also revealed in court that the movie's concept artist had mistakenly drew a burned-out helicopter in the middle of a river, and his sketches essentially foreshadowing the accident. Now, if that don't send a chill up your spine, I, I don't really know what does. Um, every I, once I, I actually had heard that particular story a few years ago, and every time I've read the, uh, seen The Twilight Zone, uh, that movie since, every, which is like every year Halloween, you know, that month, October, uh, man, that just sends a chill up my spine. Uh, another uh, movie was The Amityville Horror. Now, they made that original movie in 1979, which was my favorite version of it. They did a remake of it in 2005 with uh, Ryan Reynolds, who originally played the role that uh, um, James Brolin played in the, in the original. Believe it or not, I'm not a big fan of remakes, but that was actually a pretty good remake. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the movie. Uh, the events on the set of the 79 movie were almost as scary as what actually happened in real life in the haunting that happened there that the film was based on. Uh, the first Amityville movie had James Brolin and Margot Kidder, which you know her as Lois Lane from the, star from the Superman movies, and it was based on a true story. Uh, Brolin was not too keen on doing the movie, and he only accepted it after something really strange happened. While reading the script one morning and getting to a scary section of the story, a pair of Brolin's pants suddenly fell off a hanger, and it actually scared him. He jumped out of his chair. And then, you know, he, he I don't know, maybe he thought it was fate. He was going to go ahead and take the movie. That was just way too weird, too scary. Uh, in 2005, the movie was remade, like I said, with Ryan Reynolds playing Brolin's part. But just before the filming of the movie, a dead body washed up on shore right by the movie set. Now, throughout filming the movie, uh, Ryan Reynolds... Uh, along with other members of the cast and crew, they each kept waking up at 3.15 in the morning. It just so happens that was also the time that the real-life murders took place during the actual events of the Amityville Horror. That is that is kind of weird. Um, I don't know if that had to do with the body. It has nothing to do with the body washing up on the movie set, but that is just like an ominous sign that, yeah, not good. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break right there, and I'm going to, I want to jump back into this Netflix show uh, that's called Things Heard and Seen. Now, this movie, uh, it, it actually, the trailer looked really good, so I was kind of excited to watch this. Now, the actress in this uh, is um, Amanda Seyfried, and if you don't know her, um, she was in uh, Le Mis back in, I don't know, 10 years ago. But she was also in Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia Part 2. She's been in a lot of things. So when you see her face, you're like, I know I've seen her somewhere. And th that kept popping up in my mind. Uh, she was an amazing actress. I'm, I, you know, She did a, a great job in the show, in this movie. 
Uh, so I can't fault what I'm about to say on any of the acting. Um, but uh, when I looked her up, I, I remembered like, ah, yes, like years and years ago, she was at, on that series, Veronica Mars. And she's also been on CSI, um, Law and Order. So she's done bit pieces here and there. But she's been in a lot of movies. Jennifer's Body was one uh, that was a big hit back in, uh, I will say 2009, 2010, somewhere in that time frame. Um, so anyway, she, she's been in a lot of things. Ted 2, I think she was in that. That was that was really good. That was, that was hilarious, actually. Um but you get the point. She's been in a lot of things. But um, so Amanda Seyfried in this movie, she plays this uh, the wife of this college professor, and I guess he got an adjunct position. He's going to this small college, and he's teaching. I think it's like art, uh, you know, something uh, culture. Yeah, you know, so he's teaching that kind of stuff. But this guy is not who he seems to be. Actually, most of their marriage has been a lie. And she's discovering they moved into this house where this grisly stuff happened. And she's slowly, like, hearing things, seeing things. And it's actually, I'm going to spoil this for you, it's the ghost of the woman who had been murdered there, actually a couple of women who had been murdered there, that are speaking to her to help her. But there's something dark in there. And when other people start catching on to her husband, the dark spirit, I guess, have been working on him. And next thing you know, he's he's killed, and he's gonna. And he in the end, he actually kills his wife. The, the whole thing, there was such great potential with this movie because the acting was really good. And I thought she she could actually, well, no matter how you would have directed her, she could have pulled off whatever ending. But she was just killed in like some haphazard manner. He drugged her. She went to the bed. and He took an axe to her. Yeah, I mean, it's not that you know, show it. It's not that gruesome, but. Um, but it's it's just one of these movies. Then he tries to get away with it and realizes he's not getting away with it. He goes and bribes some guy uh, to get to rent a boat, so he'll be right back. They're not letting anybody out because the storm is bad. And he just wanted to sail out and die. But he got caught into something because it looks like the portal of hell opened up. And I mean, literally, a portal of hell opened up to swallow him up. And then you realize as the whispering is in the background, it's the women talking to each other, that they have... All combined together, they have enough power to make him pay for his crime, even though they're dead. So that's how the portal opens up. And it all kind of is reminiscent of some painting that you see throughout the movie. But that was just like the worst freaking ending to a movie I've ever seen, to the point that it kind of pissed me off that I spent time watching it. Because it was a good two hours long. Maybe a little bit more. Um, now, the, the thing with... Uh, that particular movie, <laughs> it actually had another actress in there that they totally wasted her talent on. Uh, see, James Norton actually played the husband. Um, but Natalie Dyer, uh, she was in there. She had such a small bit part where she kind of played like this little slutty teenager, you know. But you know her as Nancy Wheeler in Stranger Things. And, you know, and I thought, you know, she was such a good actress in that. And she was such. She actually showed some good chops in this movie. Why would you waste her talent with such a a role that just like could have been something more, but it really wasn't. You just you just totally wasted her time and effort. I, anyway, I, at that point, I'm like, I don't know who the producers and directors are, but they really really f this one up. Um, you had you had great acting, 
a great story because it was based off a book that had a lot of high accolades. That was a complex book, but they couldn't, like that ending I explained was kind of complex, but they just couldn't pull it off. The director and producers could not pull off that ending, yet they had the acting and all that there to pull it off. It's just like, wow, you just wasted two hours of my time and probably a movie that they kind of, I don't, I don't know if they were making it or not, but I feel like I'm just, it could have been so much more. Um, yeah, bad on them, right? So, anyway, that aside, let's get back to these other movies. Um, I mentioned earlier Poltergeist from 1982. Um, th this is actually kind of sad and tragic, both at the same time. Uh, Heather O'Rourke, who played little Carol Ann, and uh, Dominic Dunn, who played her older sister, uh, Dana, they died while working on the Poltergeist uh, franchise. Now, uh, little Heather O'Rourke, she, uh, she died on the operating table. She's just 12 years old while they were finishing up the um, sequel to Poltergeist 3. Uh, Dunn was murdered by an ex-boyfriend the day after the first movie premiered. Now, that is, that is just bizarre. Um, however, today uh, I did read that the, both co-stars are buried in the same California cemetery. Uh, the cast and crew working on the Poltergeist films were so creeped out by what happened that the producer of the film, uh, Will Sampson, had the set of Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, actually blessed and exercised by a priest before the filming began because he felt that the set was evil. He walked on and felt like it was just evil and wanted to have that done. Sampson himself, uh, then he died during an operation shortly after Poltergeist 2 was completed. Um, now, here's like the creme de la creme of all the horror films out there. If you ever rank horror films, like your favorites, not necessarily your favorites, but like the scariest ones of all time, there's no doubt that you probably have The Exorcist way up on that list. Excuse me while I take a drink. Uh, it's probably the most well-known horror film of all time. Uh, and probably one of the... And one of the most, well, the most memorable from the 70s. Um, but The Exorcist is known to have had a curse associated with it. The set uh, saw a lot of creepy events take place. Uh, those included uh, the Irish character, uh, uh, the actor, uh, Jack, uh, was it Jack McGowan? Gowan? He's the guy who played Burke Dennings in the movie. Uh, die, he died unexpectedly just a few days after he wrapped up his part of the movie where he was tossed down, you know, tossed down those steps and died. Um, so a special effects worker and a security guard, they also died while the movie was in production. And the entire set uh, burned down for no reason. No apparent reason. And uh, that they had to stop and rebuild the entire set. Now, this this guy, I can't, William Friedkin, who was the director, um, I don't know what kind of weird juju this guy's into, but anyway, he had to have a priest come to, to the set and perform a real-life exorcism. But the religious ceremony did little to stop the evil things that they felt was going on around there which appeared to even affect the people who watched the completed movie because several audience members back then when it first came out literally died of heart attacks in the theaters watching this freaking movie. Not, yeah, have you ever heard of that before? 
I haven't heard of it since then, and I hope I never hear of it again either. Um, another one on the list is Rosemary's Baby from 1968. Again, another classic. I really like this movie. Um, events on the set from that particular uh, movie uh, apparently got real pretty quick once the, once they began filming. Um, during the production, uh, William Castle, who was at the time a big horror movie producer, uh, he got an anonymous letter that said he would slowly rot during a long and painful illness. So somebody just sent him a letter saying that. No, not long after that, the guy collapsed and underwent surgery um, for a problem that ended up plaguing him for months. But that's not all. Uh, A guy by the name of uh, Christoph Komita, the guy who composed the musical score for the film, he died from a hematoma of the brain uh, after uh, falling off some escarpment. And other issues on the movie said including like the cast getting sick from food poisoning uh one of the movie's producers suffered a stroke while driving home from the set just weird things i mean and it kind of comes to show that when you you're working in that kind of bad energy and just just nothing good some can come from it sometimes psycho is another one of my all-time favorite horror films uh this came out in 1960 um alfred hitchcock is known to be a beast and not pleasant to work with or for. Uh, Psycho scared the crap out of so many people when it first came out. Um, you know, today we watch it, it's like a big deal. But an incident on the movie set uh, rivaled anything put into the finished film. Um, while production was going on, Myra Jones, who was the body double for Janet Lee, the actress, you know, the shower scene, she was murdered on the set a handyman working on the set by the name of kenneth dean hunt who was also working on the film he carried out the murder and then told police he had done it to impress the director alfred hitchcock and he claimed that he was so obsessed with the horror director that that was why he did it so following this crazy murder hitchcock hitchcock gathered the cast around um and then he said, listen, it appears that we now have them all the motivation we need to complete this film. Uh, which I thought was a weird thing uh, to say. <laughs> However, uh, one more to go. And this is one of my all-time classic favorite horror films. So I was looking this up. The Omen from 1976. And if you haven't seen The Omen 2, follow up and watch that. After that, just scroll. <laughs> the remake was okay. I prefer the original. The Omen uh, is, like I said, a classic in the genre. It's one of the most influential films of the 70s. But, you know, the tale of the young boy Damien, who is the Antichrist, almost wasn't completed because of a curse that just surrounded this movie. Legend has it that as many bad things happened on the set of The Omen as there was, like, things that happened in the film itself. Uh, the, uh, the son of the lead actor, uh, Gregory Peck, uh, was you know Hall of Fame actor, amazing actor. His son committed suicide during the film, right? Actually, right when it first started. Uh, a crew member was seriously hurt in a car accident while driving to the set. Uh, the scriptwriter's airplane was struck by lightning en route to the film's location. And if that's not crazy enough, an airplane that Gregory Peck was in, and the movie's executive producer were traveling in was also struck by lightning in a separate incident. But 
none of those were the biggest tragedy that happened to the crew of the Omen. The crew decided to use a private airplane to get from one film location to another. However, just after the plane took off with a number of crew on board, something went wrong and it crashed onto a road. It hit a car, and that car then crashed at high speed into another vehicle. Everyone involved in the accident, there was 11 people in total, was killed. Not surprisingly, Peck refused to do any publicity for the Omen prior to being released in theaters. At that point, with all that tragedy that happened, it was almost like a bad sign, a bad omen, no pun intended. He had had enough. He wasn't going to do any publicity for it. He stepped away from it at that point. Now, that is just, some of these things that happen on these war films just blow my mind. However, I thought they were interesting enough to share with you. Um, do you have any kind of movie that you like that had some weird curse around it? I forgot to mention or didn't look up today. Drop me an email. Let me know. It's cyrus.alderwood at gmail.com. And uh, let me know. Also, uh, for those of you who follow along that uh, download this off iTunes or Spotify, I'm not sure why my logo has reverted back to the old black and white one. I've went online and tried to just like re-upload this image. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just a glitch with, um, uh, with Podbean. I have, I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to try to get it fixed and uh, get the, get the uh, cool one back up. And thanks to Emily Houghton at haveyoucovered.net for doing such a cool kick-ass logo. If any of you out there listening have your own podcast or you just want your own personal logo for your Facebook or Twitter or social media use, uh, go check her out online and, uh, and get your own personal logo. Those things are fun. Hey, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another nutty episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. Hope it wasn't too creepy for you tonight, but I certainly appreciate you tagging along. Thanks again, and I will see you on down the road.